you are listening to the Pleasant View Baptist Church preaching podcast. We hope today's message will be a blessing to you and your family. Thank you for taking time to listen to our preaching podcast. Luke chapter number 14 tonight, and I'm going to read one verse to you, and, um, and then I'll let you be seated, and I'm going to talk to you for a minute, and then I'm going to teach to you, and if, if the Lord allows for some preaching in there, we'll let that happen. But um, I, I, I studied this this week. Um, honey, will you go to my bag and get that book that I'm studying out of? I'm going to show you a book tonight. But, uh, but anyway, she's going to get that while I'm reading the text here in just a second. But um, I'm going I'm to read this text, and I'm going to talk to you for a minute. Um, I learned more about this verse right here today than I probably ever have. Uh, truly, I have. I, and I've read this verse a lot in my life. It's Luke 14, 23. And it says, And the Lord said unto the servant, unto the servant, no S there. You notice that? No servants. To the servant, to the one. Um, but anyway, to the servant. I didn't notice that before, so I was learning something else. Under the servant, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be full. Lord, I thank you for what you do for us tonight, God. I pray, God, that you'd meet the need of the service. Show up in a mighty way, God. Illuminate our minds, open our hearts, open our minds. Bring back to memory everything that I've studied, God, even the things that I haven't studied. I pray, God, that you'd bring it back to our foreknowledge, God. And, Lord, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You can be seated. So we are, um, we started uh, several at the beginning of the year talking about the church, and we talked about the history of the church, and we talked about why are we Baptists, and we talked about different things with that, and, and I'm not going to go back into that, but I want to go another step further, and I want to introduce you to this book. That's it, yeah. I'm going to introduce you to this book, and I think I gave you the wrong book one time before. Um, but this is a book by Paul Chappell. Um, you cannot get it from Striving Together Publications right now. You have to get it from Amazon. Um, but I've had this one since Bible college. As you can tell, it's got grease all over it where I used to take it to work and study um, for work. But it's called Church Still Works by Paul Chappell and Clayton Reed. Uh, this is Dr. Paul Chappell is a pastor of uh, um, um, Lancaster Baptist Church in Lancaster, not Pennsylvania, California. Big, huge church out there. They've actually got a kindergarten to 12th grade and a, and a university. Um, huge church that they've got out there. But uh, that's the book I wanted to show you. And, uh, but anyway, and, and, and I'm working through this book just a little bit at a time, and I'm not preaching this book word for word like it's the Bible. I'm just getting some thoughts out of it and then expounding on those thoughts. And so... Um, I want to give you a thought tonight. How many, how many people in here with a raise of hand has ever heard this phrase? Um, positive, let me say, I'll make sure I'm right, defiance. Positive defiance. Anybody ever heard of it? Um, I guarantee you, you've used it in your lifetime. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you the history of the word. For 3,500 years, people who lived in West Asia suffered horrible because of a worm. And it's a Guyana worm. Um, this worm lived in, in the unfiltered water supply. Uh, one person would drink the water that had the worm living inside of it. This worm, this worm would live inside their body and grow until it was a huge uh, uh, parasite in the body until it got so big that the body had to get rid of it. So the worm would produce an acid that would eat through um, the body and would go out, um, it, would, it would eat through the body come out of the body, crawl back into the water supply, reproduce, and they'll start the whole process over again. And for 3,500 years, people of West Asia just suffered this. 
Um, they suffered this. It was just a, it's a terrible thing. Once it, when, the, when it would start making its way out of the body, the human would just, the, 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 the organs would start shutting down. Um, and it was just a, it was a miserable, miserable disease um, that they had to face. Well, in, eight, in 1986, a team from Carter Center, um, they focused on stopping this disease. Um, they noticed as they began to study this disease, they noticed that some of the villages that got their water from the same water supply, for some reason, they noticed that they wasn't getting this disease. Um, and they said, well, we need to study out why is this group of people getting the disease and this group of people not getting the disease. Well, as they went into the towns and began to observe people of, 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 of their water intake and, and of how this thing happened, they noticed that the women most of the time would go get the water. And as the women would go get the water in the villages where they got the disease, they would bring the water in, and as soon as it made it to town, they were so thirsty that they just grabbed it and started drinking. Well, in some of the other villages that they wasn't having the disease, the women that would, that would go get the water, they would come back and take their skirts or their dresses that they were wearing, and they would hold it over the bu another bucket, and they would filter the water, which would filter the parasite out of the water. And they noticed that this, this was an event that caused the parasite not, um, uh, uh, not to go into their drinking water. And they saw a tremendous redu uh, 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 less amount of this disease in those villages that was filtering their water. And so uh, basically what they done was they said, hey, listen, if you filter the water, you're going to be all right. Just filter the water. Boil the water. Filter. Do something to filter the water. And so uh, since 1986, there has been a, over there's been millions of lives saved because of this process that is today known as positive defiance. Um, when this team had accomplished their task was identifying the way they accomplished their task, they was identifying key differences that would solve the problem. Every one of us has used this. You see two situations at your job. You see two things going on at your job. Why is it happening? Why is this happening? Why is it? I remember I used to work at a place called Light Off. And I used to, I used to run the dock. Um, um, and I noticed, well, Mike, you back me up on this. Some people just tend to work a little harder than others. Some people are just plumb lazy, all right? I mean, there's just nothing, there's nothing to it. And so I noticed that the problem is here. This truck A, B, C, and D is getting done very quickly, but truck B, C, or D, C, G, and F right here is taking the rest of the day to do. It's because I've got my two fast people over here on this truck, and then I've got my two slow people on this truck. And so I thought one day, I said, you know what, let's mix it up. I'm going to mix it up. I'm going to see what happens. So I'm going to put this person over here that's lazy with this person over here who's an absolute go-getter. But this person that's lazy over here, they don't like to be out work. So they're going to work harder if they work with this person. Oh, it made them so mad. They, they, I mean, I'm telling you, it made them so mad. They were mad. And, but the job got done a lot quicker that day because they just done their job. What I'd done was I looked, I saw a problem, I saw what was the differences between the two problems, and I fixed it. That process that I used right there is called positive um, deviance. I said it wrong a minute ago. Positive deviance. And what it is is you're looking at what differences are these two situations having that I can take the positive out of and get a right solution? And so what we're going to do over, I know that at least the next two weeks, we're going to look at positive deviance. 
And what we're going to do is we're going to take our Bible and take the church that the Lord talks about, compare it to our church, and see where the positive uh, deviances are, the differences are, and where that we can take our church to the next level. I'm here to tell you now, Pleasant View Baptist Church is not a bad church. Pleasant View Baptist Church is the best church in the world. There is no church, no church, Better than Pleasant View Baptist Church. You say, well, there's churches out there that's got 100 and 200 and 300 people. There ain't none better than this one, all right? And I'm here to tell you, best way to do is have that mindset. The best thing to do is, 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 is say, you know what? This is the best that I can get, right? best God give me. It is, and it's the truth. There's no, I'm not lying when I say that. I truly believe it. But what can we do to take our church to the next level? That's what I want to be. Yeah, I've said that I don't know how many times over the last several months. What are we going to do to take our church to the next level? And so I want to look at some things, and we're going to spend the next seven weeks, at least, or not seven weeks, but several weeks. I got seven points. Several weeks looking at seven factors of positive deviance. Seven factors of positive deviances. And here's, I'm going to go ahead and give you all seven of them. You ready? Um, having an effective outreach. Create, a, uh, create positive first impressions. Connect God's Word with hearts. Follow up with biblical, biblically and strategically. Use effective tools and techniques. Compel spiritual uh, um, uh, commitments um, and develop devoted disciples. And so we're going to look at each one of those each week. Um, I'm going to take two tonight. So that tells you how fast we're hopefully going to go through these. I'm going to take up two tonight. And so we're going to look at a few things tonight about positive deviances. This passage of Scripture that I read to you, how many have heard that verse that I read tonight before? Go to the highways and hedges. We've heard that our whole life. We've seen it on church signs. We've seen it on, on paper. Go to the highways and hedges and compel them to come to my house. But let's look into this passage of Scripture um, before I go any further tonight. I'm going to give you a, a, a brief synopsis of this, and then we're going to get into our outline. In verse number 1, you'll notice where Jesus is at. And I notice that this is pretty interesting. And it says, and it came to pass as he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees. Now, notice that word chief right there is lowercase. That's almost, to me, when I look at that, I think of it's almost like a smart aleck term. The chief Pharisee. You know, the Mac Daddy of them all. The big dog on campus. You know, um, uh, uh, the big dog on campus. Went to the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day. Um, that they wa- and they watched him. And behold, there was a certain man before him which had a, a, a dropsy. Now, dropsy is a, is a disease that they had where the body would swell. Um, it couldn't, it couldn't uh, release the water that it needed. I, I honestly, um, I honestly, I don't know what it would be compared to today, um, uh, but I do know of people who, who, who collect water in their, in their body. So, and it, but there's a lot of... Call- Brother Zach's in the medical... He's kind of in the medical field. He knows a lot about it. If, if, I promise you, if I fall out right here, let him take care of me for a little bit, all right? Get the paramedics here. Just let Zach start, all right? Uh, but anyway, um, I hope we never have to do that. You know, there's time, there, there's certain people that I hope to never see on their job. Zach's one of them. I never want to see him on his job. Sorry. Love you, buddy, but I don't want to see you on your job. If I see him on his job, something's went wrong. And, and he's just one of them, you know? I'll be honest with you, Caitlin's another one back there. I don't want to see her on her job. That means my air conditioning heats went out. Hers did the other day. I about had to call you. Yesterday, matter of fact, a possum chewed a wire into there at the house. Possum met my buddy. 
First name Smith, last name Wesley. All right? He gone now. He went on to be with the Lord. We had a funeral. But anyway, look right here. Uh, but Zach knows a little bit about it. It's, a, it's where they, the, the, the person needs to be healed. They're sick. And if something didn't happen, they were going to die. Uh, that's the best way to, to describe that. If something didn't happen, this person was going to die. And Jesus answering spake unto, his, uh, unto the lawyers and the Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? And they held their peace, and he took him and healed him and let him go. And, and, and answered, him, answered them, saying, Which of you um, shall have an ass or an ox fallen into a pit and will not straightway pull him out of the, on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him again in, the, in these things. And he put forth a parable to those which were bidden when he marked how uh, they uh, chose out of the chief room, saying unto them, When thou art bidden of many... Uh, 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 I'm, I'm going to skip down a little bit down through here so y'all don't have to hear me stumble through my reading. Look down here in verse number 15. What he done, let me just go ahead and fill you in what happened. So he's invited on a, on a Sunday, the Sabbath. He's invited on Sabbath. Now, as we understand the Sabbath, probably really Saturday, but we celebrate Sunday as a Sabbath. But anyway, he was invited over on a Sabbath day to, a, to the chief Pharisee's house, the Holy Roller's house, if you want to say it like that. And he's invited there, but the reason he's invited there is they're there to traffic. Y'all didn't know this. They're there to catch Jesus and say, all right, so the law says you shouldn't heal on the Sabbath, that you should honor the Sabbath and the Sabbath day be holy. And Jesus, this man comes up to him that was sick right here, and Jesus heals him, sends him on his way. Well, he turns around, looks at him, and he said, listen, basically I can see it like this right here. He's saying, listen, guys, if your ox or your mule is out there stuck in a ditch, are you going to leave him there to the next day, or are you going to go out there and get him? And what they were trying to do was saying, listen, you tell us to honor the law, and, and you tell us to do that. And the Pharisees were trying to catch him, is what they were trying to do, and see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Well, he healed him, and he said, listen, all he's trying to tell him right here is say, listen, keep the Sabbath day holy, but if something needs to be done, do it. If it needs to be done, just do it. Because, I mean, do you know that there is certain Jews that will not walk across the grass on Sunday because they think it's working and they don't want to dishonor God? Now, I understand being all... all I mean, being, being, being to try to be holy as possible. Um, but they think because you walk through the grass and as your, as your britches legs or your legs hit the grass, you're breaking off grass seed and it's falling into the grass and you're therefore planting grass. They won't even go. It's, it's crazy what they're thinking. But that's not the whole picture of this story. Jesus goes on to give them a parable and he shares a parable. But then he looks down at verse number 15 and he says this, And when one of them that said it meet with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and obeyed many, and sent his servants, his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one, with one consent began to make excuse. Don't that sound like a bunch of Christians today? You say, Hey, we're going to do this at the church. Lo and behold, you'll hear excuse after excuse after excuse why something can't be there? Uh, why? Uh, you know, you, 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 uh, that's what you get. I'm telling you. I, I'm, we're gonna have service on, on this night. Well, preacher, I, you know that's the night I go and uh, 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 I do this, that, and the other. I can't really have. I can't go to church on that night. I can't do this on that night. I gotta. I, I, I gotta do that. And look at the excuses they come up with. This is probably some of the most funny scripture in the Bible. Look, the first said unto him. I bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. The reason he wouldn't go and invite people to church or invite people to the house of God or invite people to the supper 
you want to say it like that for the parable. He says, listen, I bought some new land over here, and I just need to go look at it. I bought a piece of property over here on the other side of the mountain. I need to go look at it. That's what he says. Look what the other one said. Another one said, I bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to prove them. You know, I probably bought them on Wednesday last week, but, you know, Sunday I've got to go check these oxen. Um, I, I've got to go check them. i got to go see what they're made of. And, um, uh, and he says, I pray me. Look, he even th- I think it's pretty funny that this, this one right here says, I pray thee, have me excused. Look, I, really, just have me excused, Lord. I'm sorry I can't be there for you. Uh, I, got, I got these oxen that I bought three days ago, and I got to check them this day. I'm telling you, this is the stuff you hear. And another said to him, oh, here's a good one. Y'all ready? Y'all ready for this? I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. <laughs> my wife ain't even giving me permission to go. I know the feeling. I understand. She ain't in here. There goes my supper. Uh, somebody feed me tonight. But anyway, well, he says, he goes, look, and another said, I have a wife, and and, you know, I can't go. She won't let me. Look at verse number 21. So that servant came and, and showed the Lord these things. And the master of the house, being angry, said to the servant, Go out quickly under the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded. And yet there is, there is room. So what happened here is this servant who would ask several of the elites of the town Think about that for a minute. Look what happened. The one that bought land. Land in those days showed wealth. How much land did you own? How much wealth you had? He went and invited the wealthy. He went and invited the um, uh, the one that had five yoke of oxen. That's ten oxen. That's a lot of oxen. There's some more wealth. Look at this. What I'm trying to say here is they went to the, the upper class. They went to the ones that they felt like would be the good church members. They went to the one here. But where did the Lord send him? Look down there. He said, go, to the, go quickly under the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. He said, basically said this right here. He said, go out there and get the ones that nobody wants. Go out there and get the ones that nobody cares about. Go out there and get the forgotten ones. Bring them into the house of God. And this servant, the one that's been trying his best to get them all to come. Been trying his best, and they gave him all the excuses. He goes out and gets the ones nobody wants and said, listen, I got a place for you. Come here, I got a great meal that is prepared for you. I got a great meal, great supper is what the Bible says. And he invites them in, and here they come. Well, when they get there, there's another problem that lies. He says, listen, they're all here, and there's still room for them. I'll say this right here. I don't care how big a church gets, God will fit them in here. Amazing Grace Baptist. Was you there in, you wasn't there in early 2016, was you? How many people have seen the inside of Amazing Grace Baptist Church? The old building, not the new one, the old building. Back in January of 2016, we put over 500 people in that sanctuary. Five, I probably shouldn't say that to the fire marshal's son. Um, 500 people in that sanctuary, and they all had a way out. He said he'd make a way of escape. Anyway, um, uh, there were 500 people in it. I promise you, God will make room for them. You bring them, he'll make the room for them. Think about the, what about the ones over there that brought the man to, the, to Jesus and they tore the roof off the place over in Mark chapter number 2. Or I think it's Mark chapter number 2, somewhere along those lines. But anyway, I've got to get somewhere. I ain't going to go. So he said, look, there's no room. Then the Lord goes back to him again and says this, and the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. He said, go get the ones that nobody wants first. 
Then go to the highways and hedges. Go everywhere. Ask them all. And so I want to look tonight at taking that thought right here. I understand that's a parable. I understand. Don't get me wrong. I understand that this is a parable. This is Jesus giving an example of his pre- in his preaching, all right? That's what he's doing. I understand that. But I think we can take that parable and say that that great supper that he's prepared, or that great meal um, at supper time that he was preparing for, I think you could look at that and say that's the church service. That's the church. And it's a great work. And can I say this right here? If you don't think this is a great work, then you may just need to go on somewhere. This is a great work. And we got to get our mindset on it, not because it's me that's the pastor. Can I say this right here? Victory Baptist Church right down here. I don't even know the pastor. I, I know his name. I've heard him. I've listened to him preach a couple of times. Can I tell you what's going on down there? A great work. Right over here, right over, I'm talking about the way the crow flies. It ain't but just a half a mile. Now, you don't get there from here, but it's Mater Jenkins' church. It's Josh Jenkins' church. All right, uh, and Willis Gap Baptist Church right there. Can I tell you what's going on over there? A great work. Right across the hill over here, Zane Fishel over here at Temple Baptist Church. Let me tell you what that is. That's a great work going on. West Side Baptist that's a great work going on. All these different churches around are great works, all right? You need to realize this is a great work, and there's a great work going on. And I think we could look at this and look at some things here tonight on some positive deviances that we could take and apply to ourselves and see if it ain't better. I'm going to look at two of them tonight, and I'll give you a different example next week. But I want this right here. I want to look at the first part right here, having an effective outreach. What do we need to do as a church? How are we going to take our church to the next level? How are we going to get there? Look right here. Have, having an effective outreach. Can I tell you what Pleasant View Baptist Church needs is an effective outreach. Now, how do you do that? How do we have an effective outreach? Let's look at it. This study is not designed to try to make our church a perfect church. I want you to know that before I go any further. I'm not here to try to make Pleasant View Baptist Church a perfect church. The perfect church does not exist. Charles Spurgeon, the great, the great uh, uh, old preacher from days gone by, said this about a perfect church. He said, if I had never joined a church till I found one that was perfect, I should never have joined one at all. And the moment I did join it, if I found one, I should have spoiled it, for it would have not been a perfect church after I, after I had become a member of it. And that's the same thing for me. If I'm out there looking for a church... And you, if you're out there looking for a church, you better not go, the perfect church, you better not go and join it. Because as soon as you join it, as soon as I join it, it ain't going to be perfect no more. The perfect church does not exist. But the Bible says this in 1 Chronicles 12, 32. And the children of Issachar, which were men that had an understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. When I read that today, that went, hey, a lot of blah. That's something we need, to, we need to apply that verse to our life. You say, that's talking about the children of Issachar. Understand this right here. It is. But we could take those, their life and we could apply it to ours. Look right here, which were men that had understanding of the times. Can I say this right here? We need to understand the times in which the Lord's placed us. If you want to have an effective outreach, if Pleasant View Baptist Church wants to have an effective outreach, we need to understand the times that God put us in. I'll say this right here. You're not going to reach people the same way they did 50 years ago. You're not going to reach people the same way that you did 50 years ago. You're not going to be able to do that. People just are not the same way. The way people had outreach 50 years ago is not. If we were to go back in time and we were to take our cell phones with us back in time 50 years, 
And I were to say, listen, look at this outreach program that we have where you can sit at the house and, and watch the Facebook. The Facebook, y'all like that, right? Watch the Facebook and see a service. And we were to take our phone with us as we left. What good of outreach is that going to do them? They didn't have no phone that could play a video. They wouldn't even know what a video was, hardly. Yeah, there's videos back then, I understand. But they wouldn't hardly understand what HDMI or you need to connect it to the... It's not the same time frame. We need to understand that God has called us to Pleasant View Baptist Church to seek the world, to seek the world, to take the gospel to the whole world with right here being our voice box, right here being our, our branch, from right out here, we need to reach the whole world. And he called us to this place in this time to do it. We've got to have an effective outreach. So in order to have an effective outreach, you've got to first realize the work that you're in and the time frame where God puts you. you understand that. But understand this right here. There, there's two things I want us to look at real quick. And that is the type of people that we're going to see, our traffic. You know, there's going to be two types of traffic. There's going to be the type of traffic. What I mean by that is visitors, two types of visitors. You're going to have your, um, your natural visitors. These are people who drive by, see the church, and say, I want to go see what that's about. And they show up without an invitation, without anybody ever inviting them. Those are the, that's your natural traffic. But then you're also going to have your generated traffic, which is where we come into play. And that's where we go and invite them, that are, that are people who are compelled by the Lord's servant to come in. That is the, the generated traffic. Things. So I want to look at this right here about that traffic and notice some things that will affect our traffic. And there's some things we can't help. And there's some things that we can help. Number one, real quickly, what can help, what, what, something that generates our traffic is our geographical location. Our geographical location. Yes, we're located in Mount Airy, but what side of town are we located on? We're located on the north side of town. We're located on what we would, and let's just be honest, it's not the greatest side of town, all right? Can I say this right here? We're not going to draw the same crowd that Temple's going to draw who's right off the side of 74 and right off the side of 601. They're just in a, in a perfect spot right there to have two to 300 people in a service. Where we're located at, could we have two to 300 here? Absolutely, if God chose to. Um, but our geographical location affects us. I think about little Mike, Welcome Valley. There ain't nothing around Welcome Valley. There ain't nothing. You smell real loud, you'll know what's around there. You smell real hard, you'll know what's around there. You'll smell some chicken houses. I think about uh, uh, Amazing Grace. They ain't, you don't get to Amazing Grace from here. You go up and hang a middle of, uh, you go to the middle of nowhere and hang a left, and it's out there on the right. Um, you, but look what they're doing. That's some, it's an amazing work. It's a great work going on. Your geographical location will affect you. I'm going to give you a number real quick. Citizens, as of uh, estimated citizens of Mount Airy city limits, 10,621 people in our city limits. Can I promise you this right here? I'm going to tell you this right now. And there is Baptist churches. There's a Catholic church, at least one. There's a Methodist church, Presbyterian church. There are several churches in Mount Airy. I promise you, if you were to take their attendances from Sunday and add all of us up, every one of us, it would not equal to 10,621 people. I promise you that. There was not, you could just tell half of them were sitting right down here at Millennium on Sunday morning. If you looked in the parking lot, it has 5,000 people sitting down there. The other half was at Fisher River Park playing pickleball. Um, look at our geographical location. It affects everything. 
Now, I'll say something else that affects it. This is something that a lot of us just can't, we, we, none of us really can affect, and that is people's predetermined mindset about church. People's predetermined mindset about our church. Can I say this right here? What other churches around us? We can't, we can't help what other churches are. We can't help that just in shouting distance from us, there's a, there's a Catholic church and a Presbyterian church and a lot of confusion when you get up that direction. I'll even throw the First Baptist in there. Um, they're about as much Catholic as they are anything else anymore. Um, um, and I know what the First Baptist Church done from this church. I understand that. But that was many years ago, Brother Grady. That was years and years ago, and they are not the same. They are not the same as they were when they gave the land for this church. But the other church around, and I say this right here, there's something else you can't control. Past outreach programs that this church has had. That does not affect us going forward. Bible says, forget those things which are behind and press toward the mark of the prize, the high calling of God. What he's saying is right here, get your geographical location out of your mindset. Get everybody's predetermined uh, de determination about the church out of your mindset. Quit worrying about what others think about the church and set aside all your weights and press forward to the mark of the prize of the high calling of Christ in Christ Jesus. So I want to ask this question. How does a healthy church develop an effective outreach? How does it? Number one, I got to preach quick or I ain't going to get it all. Teach quick, whatever you want to call it. Number one, and now how do we... As a healthy church, you say, how do we know that we're a healthy church? Well, two weeks ago, we had one saved. Last Sunday, we had one join the church. I thank God saying, I, I think that's him going, I approve what's going on around Pleasant View Baptist Church. I approve of it. Our services have been out this world. I'm telling you, they truly have. And so how do I know we're a healthy church? And, and what can a healthy church do to have an effective outreach? Number one, y'all ready for this? I ain't even going to preach number one to you because I need to hold a mirror up and preach it to myself. It is a personal example as the pastor and the staff. And the staff. So that's right here. If this church to have an effective outreach, it's going to start at the top. Everything rises and falls off leadership. Some of you in here are in leadership roles in your job. Can I say this right here? It rises and falls off leadership. Everything does. And here I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm, some, I'm not perfect. I promise you that right now. But can I say this right here? If we're going to have an effective outreach, it's going to start from the top. I've got to make sure I'm doing the right way. Uh, one thing that a church struggles in today's time is having godly leaders. There's a lot of people, and I believe there's, I'll even go to calling preachers that are leading churches. But I'm here to tell you, they may not have a godly approach to the way they're leading the church. I, I, I believe with all my heart. They may be called to preach, but they're not having that godly, that godly leadership that it takes. And it starts with the pastor. The church will reflect the heart of the pastor when it comes to soul winning. Can I say this right here? It'll come natural. If I have a heart for soul winning, you'll have a heart for soul winning. It may take a while. They say that a pastor, for a church to take on the heart of a pastor, it takes five years. Well, if y'all didn't know this, I didn't say anything Sunday, but Sunday marked one year from y'all voting me in. It was one year on Sunday. It was a great year. I'm telling you, I wish we could just go back and look at everything that happened. It was a great year. But it starts at the top. And can I say this right here? Not only does it start at the top with the pastor, it starts at the top with the leadership of the church. If you hold a position in the church, that's leadership. That's a leadership role. If you're a Sunday school teacher, that's a leadership role. If you're the sound person, that's a leader. Uh, that's a that's a position in the church. That's a leader in the church. It starts with you. It does. It starts with us. Sir Francis Bacon Sr. Y'all remember Sir Francis Bacon from school? Y'all remember that uh, from the Revolutionary time? He said this: He that gives good advice builds with one hand. He that gives good counsel and example builds with both. But he that gives good admi um, um, admonition and bad example builds with one hand and pulls down with the other. What he's trying to say is right here. I'm telling you, you've got to lead by example. What he's saying. 
You got to lead by example. I know I could go a lot into that, but I ain't going to have to. As leaders of the church, we must lead by example. Number two, I have a personal example by the pastor. Number two, members are educated and trained in compassionate outreach. Can I say this right here? That goes back to the pastor too. That goes back to me giving you the resources that you need um, uh, to learn how to be a great door winner. My grandpa, Lord have mercy, Pa was a door 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 knocker. Door knocker. He'd go on every Tuesday night, every other Tuesday night, or what? I think it was maybe one Tuesday night a month. I can't remember. He would go on visitation, and it didn't. If he wasn't sick, he was going to knock on doors somewhere. He may knock on the same door two weeks in a row. He may go to the same few people, but he was going to knock on doors. Can I say this right here? The pastor may not have went, but Paul went. The deacons may not have went, but Paul went. That's what it's called having leadership in the church. You've got leadership in the church, having an effective hour. Healthy churches across America will most likely have a structured um, evangelizing training classes. And can I say that right now? Guess what? Before long, we're going to have some evangelizing training classes. We've already done it a couple times, but how to knock on the door. If, can, you, can you honestly walk up to a door, knock on it, and have confidence in what to say? Not everybody does. Can I say this right here? The first door I knocked on, it was like this. I'm great by church, and I'm here by the picture. And it was quick, and it was probably didn't understand. But I'm telling you what, after practice, you get like Colt back there. Colt can go knock on the door, and he'll say, listen, I'm from Pleasant View Baptist Church. Out here knocking on doors, inviting people to church. Why don't you come to church with me? You get a little kid up there that says, won't you come to church with me? It'll change things, I'm telling you. I say, hey, I go up there to, you know, some some 400-pound old farmer, and I said, hey, won't you come to church with me? Probably not going to sit well with him, all right? He's probably going to be one away. But a little kid walk up to him, he'll get soft. That big old farmer has farmed his whole life, will get soft real quick when a kid comes knocking. I got to hurt, I got to hurt. It's just, it's having the right training of how to do things and how to handle that, all right? And how to knock on doors um, and, and to do it, to do it the right way. Second uh, Corinthians 5.20 says this, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. Say, why should we have that? Why do we need to have an We're an ambassador. I thought about an ambassador tonight. An ambassador is one that goes into a country. It's a trusted spokesman um, for a country far away. It's a, it's, it's, it's a, and I got a lot I can give on that ambassador right here, and I'm just going to just give it to you. Um, the ambassador for Christ we have a responsibility to share the gospel with the whole world. We're an ambassador to this world. That means we need to go share the gospel. Let me just give you a little something about that word ambassador right there. Do y'all know this right here? We got ambassadors all around the world. And if we've got an ambassador in China, we got an ambassador in Russia, we got an ambassador in Durkadurkistan, we got an ambassador here. If we're going to go bomb China tomorrow, guess what Joe Biden, if he don't forget, guess what Joe Biden's going to do? He's going to call up on the phone and say, hey, ambassador, we're about to drop a nuke on, uh, 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 on Durka Durka stand. You need to leave. And he's going to call and get the ambassador out. Can I say this right here? Before the war begins and the Lord ever comes back, he's going to call for his ambassadors. And they're going to be called up with him to meet him in the sky. If you know your Bible, you know what I'm talking about right there. But anyway, i got to move on. Do you ha- I want to ask you this question right here. You want to have an effective outreach. Do you have a heart for people? I'm going to pick on my wife right here for just a minute. She may get mad at me for this one, but it would be all right. Some things y'all don't know about Miss Morgan. When I first announced my call to preach, Miss Morgan's not a people person. She, 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 she's just not. She, her personality, it just it wasn't fit for her to be a people person. But guess what? If that's one woman that loves people, 
She's right back there trying to keep Tyler straight back there in our training room. All right, that's what y'all didn't know. That's our training room back there. It's got pews in there. You teach them, you whoop them back there. Nobody can see how hard you beat them. Anyway, um, and you bring them back out here in the service later on. But she loves people. She had to be, and it wasn't me. It was the Lord. It, um, it was it was having a love for people. And can I say that right there? Some people don't naturally have that. Uh, most people in this world are me, my four, and no more. And can I say this right here? You say, I don't have a burden for people. Maybe you should ask God for it. If you're a member of a local church, you need to have a burden for people. You need to have a burden for people. You need to love people. And we need to have that burden. We must strive for excellence in personal and compassionate outreach. It is my job as a pastor to teach each of you how important it is to have the right kind of relationship with others. It is. And that goes across the board. I, I need to teach you how to, how to love people, how, how to truly show that Philippi love to our community, our, our community, that brotherly love to our community. We need to show that. Number three tonight, uh, we, need to have, we need to have personal example by the pastors. Members need to be educated. Members are given stru uh, structured opportunities. Can I say that right here? If we want to have an effective outreach, we need to have structured opportunities. Can I say this right here? I'm going to, before long, we're going to plan a visitation. That is a structured opportunity for evangelism. That means when I say, hey, I hope that you're, if you're a member, I hope you come. Help us knock on doors. You say, I'm nervous. I ain't going to send you by yourself to your first door. I ain't going to. You can go with uh, uh, Brother Zach back there. He's knocked on several doors. Um, he knows that. I, one Saturday, me, Miss Morgan, Brother Zach, Miss Caitlin knocked on all those. It was a hundred and some odd doors we knocked on. Just the two of us in less than what? Two hours? Two and a half hours? Something like that? Um, um, that's what it's about. Knock, be real quick. Knock on door and invite them to church. Anyway, members got to have that opportunity. Number four, they got to be a frequent encouragement for outreach from the pulpit. I, I, can I tell you what? If I ain't telling you enough to be, to be an outreach and I'm not fulfilling the, preaching the whole counsel of the Word of God, um, uh, uh, Jesus compelled. Some of the last things he said to his disciples was, go ye to all the world, preach the gospel. Go ye all the world. Get out there. Go. And, and we, got that we, we can't grow until we go. We got we to gotta go or we will never grow. We've got to. Anyway, number, that, that, was our, that was our four points. So you may ask the question, what can I do? What can I do? Let me give you a statistic. This will absolutely blow your mind. How, why is it important that I have an outreach? 79% of all people that were in church then got out of church, came back to church because somebody gave them a personal invitation. 79% of the people. That means right now, if that statistic is accurate for in the day in which we live, which I'm pretty sure it is, eight, almost 80% of the people that are in this world, 80% of that 10,000 I told you, will come back to church and will come to church if somebody, if somebody will give them a personal invitation. I can't knock on all the doors. I'll put the best effort forward, but I got to need some help. I got to have some help with it. And that's what we got to do if we're going to be in the next church. We're going to have to have the right kind of hour. Number two, and I'm going to give you this one quickly and we'll be done. I'll tell you what, I'll even close my Bible so that you can, that you can help, all right? First Samuel, I'm going to give you my, let me give you the yeah, first. So we need to have the, y'all have already heard it, we need to have a right outreach. Y'all say this right here, this is something so important that I think it gets missed so many times. And it's having the right First impression. The preacher, Brother Jonathan Barker, used to tell me this, Lord have mercy. 
Miss Morgan can tell you how many times they used to say this to me as we explain the church. One of our jobs when the church took us on as staff, the church, uh, I, I, I kind of thought they may, didn't, wasn't 100% sure the preacher had mentioned it to us, but I didn't know what the church thought, you know, about giving us money uh, to serve there. And I remember he asked me and Miss Morgan and Colt, I think Colt was born at the time, to step out. It may have been when she was pregnant with him, I can't remember, but ask, him, ask us to step out. And we stepped out, and he said, he asked the church if we could, if, they, if they'd be willing to take us on staff. They took us on staff. They voted. As far as I know, it was 100%. All I know is a majority ruled. And we came on staff at Amazing Grace. I'll never forget. I walked through. People told us, hey, it was, it's an honor for you to be on staff. We're excited about you working here as youth pastor of Amazing Grace Baptist Church. This, that, and And when I got, I met the preacher about halfway between the front of the church and the back of the church. And Brother Grady, you know what he said to me? He didn't hug my neck and say, welcome aboard. He didn't hug my neck and said, I love you. I can't wait to get to work. He said, listen, next week, you're cleaning the church. And one of your jobs is to clean the church. I don't know about y'all, but as a young preacher, I was thinking, I get to preach next Sunday night. You know, I get to go before the church, you know, hang out with the kids. No, I get to clean the church. That was my first job, clean the church. And he started right then. He said, listen. Cleaning the church is one of the most important jobs in the church because you never get a second chance to make a first impression. The preacher ain't the first thing they hear or see when they come into church. When they walk into our church, the first person, the first thing they're going to notice is how clean is the church. How clean does the church look? Is the church up to par? It's things. And that, that little thing out yonder where uh, I meant to say that that was the announcement I was going to announce. Well, Mike's got some wristbands out there. If you want one, you can have one, he said. They're really cool. I got mine, but I forgot to wear it today. Um, I've been wearing it just about every day. But back there, grab you one on your way out. But anyway, side note there. That's the first impression right there of what you see. When you walk through those doors, what's the first thing they see? I say this right here. Husband and wife, and I'm talking to them, preaching to the choir right here to myself. All right, when I say this, husbands and wives, you need to make sure you got your stuff together before you get in the parking lot. Because that person driving by, you walk, if they come through the parking lot and you're walking through there like you just took a bite of a sour apple, I about fell off the pulpit of the platform right there. You look mad like that right there. Do you think that car driving by wants to come in here? I think our happiness needs to start before we leave the house, really. We're getting to come to the house of God. We ain't got to worry about it. Um, but the devil's going to fight you. I understand that. But let's put a smile on when we come in the door. Grab your Bible under your arm. Walk in the house of God with a pep in your step. Be excited about the things of God. Be excited about being at the house of God. And I'm telling you, you'll never get a second chance to make a first impression. Look at 1 Samuel 16. Well, you ain't got to look there. I'll read it to you. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says this. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looketh on the heart. How many times you heard that verse? Man looketh on the outward appearance, God looketh on the heart. There's something about that verse I want, I want you to see tonight. The Word of God is true. Everybody agree with that? Every word Everything is true about the Word of God. There's a truth about mankind right there. Man, look at on the outward appearance. I say this right here. This world is looking for something to worship. This I tell you, you don't think this world is looking for something to worship? It's not that it wins the Super Bowl. Not this Sunday, but next Sunday, right? Something along those lines. You think the world ain't looking to worship something? Watch those commercials. I forgot how much, I looked up one time, how much, Brother Grady, it costs to have a commercial at the, at the Super Bowl. They pay ungodly amount of money to have that spot on that Super Bowl. 
And it's all because this right here. The world wants something. They want something that's catchy. They want something that's going to catch their eye. You think of a commercial for a second. If that commercial don't catch your attention within the first five seconds, you turn it off in your mind. You may be watching it, but you turn it off. Can I say this right here? It's what people are doing when they drive by the church. Say this right here. Brother Grady is the top-notch church sign person in the world. I'm telling I said it before and I'll say it again. You can put him against anybody. I'm even talking about put him against the, the automatic signs that just were. Nope, I put him against them. I'm telling you, best sign maker in the world. He's got it. He's got it on point out there. I wish y'all knew what he done up here. I ain't got, it, it, it's his story to tell. Maybe one of these days he'll say it. I ain't going to tell you what he does. This man does not just pick a random saying that he found on Facebook and puts on here. He studies it. He thinks about it. He prays about it. Ask God for wisdom on it, and it shows in the church sign. That's an impression. That's an impression that you get. Your church sign, I, I'm going to say one little mic. You'll see it probably in the next day or two. If not, you'll see it. Turn and burn. Happy New Year. That ain't a church sign. I, I'm telling you, when you got to go to that church sign and go, what's compelling about that? What's compelling about that? Uh, uh, everything needs to be compelling. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. In that, ver- in that passage of Scripture, that we read right there. And I ain't got time to give you all I, I got another two pages of notes right here if I wanted to. Very easily to give you these. I cut it all out just so that I could be short tonight. And it's eight minutes after eight. All right, I promise. I'm trying to hurry. In the passage of Scripture that we read tonight, tie it all in. Verses 16 and 17, it talks about all things were now ready. All things. All things were now ready for that meal that, that he was talking about. All things were ready. All they needed was somebody to come in. To have an effective outreach, to be the right kind of church, we got to have the right first impression. We got to make sure this is right. All things. You know what that word all means in the Greek? Y'all ready? Get your waiters. Means every one of them. All of them. Everything was ready. That included the people. I want to ask you this question as we close tonight. And it's okay if this convicts you, because it did me. How much time are you spending in your week praying for Sunday morning? I'm not talking about this Sunday morning when we got a special preacher coming. I'm not talking this Sunday morning because we got Daughters of Calvary coming. Say this right here. I love the Daughters of Calvary. I love them to death. But if God gets into service on Sunday, we'll still write them a check and take care of them. But if God gets into service on Sunday, and the Lord tells me to put David Williams in this pulpit, Brother David Williams in this pulpit to preach before they sing, guess what we're going to do? We're going to put him in the pulpit first. Uh, that don't cost you anything. God chose through the foolishness of preaching. That's the word of God. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is how much time do you spend on a regular service? Regular Sunday morning, regular Wednesday night, regular, do you spend praying for that service? Don't answer that like that. It's between you and the Lord. If, you don't, if the first time that you think about that service is on Sunday morning, I'm not telling you you're wrong, and I'm not going to throw you under the bus because there was a time in my life when I was the same way. There was a time in my life, and I'm saying, I'm here to tell you, it's hard even on night, days I'm not preaching. Sunday, I understand I've got to fight the devil because he's going to throw every kind of distraction he can at it. We're going to hopefully on Friday, we're going to hopefully get away for a little while and, and go out of town for just a little while. We're going to go down to Charlotte, go to Bass Pro. We're going to take old Colt down there to Bass Pro Shop. Maybe find it. He wants a Mahi Mahi pillow. They ain't going to have them, but we're going to go look for them. I mean, they're going to have them. They're going to be all over the store, everywhere. I just lied from the pool. They ain't going to be at the store. Anyway, 
We're going to try to get away for a little while on Friday. But come Saturday morning, my goal is to wake up, read my Bible reading plan for the week, for the day, I mean, get caught up on it. And then throughout the day, I'm going to be thinking about the service. I'm going to be praying about the service, asking God, Lord, please help the service. Lord, please touch the service. Lord, please give me something. When's the last time you prayed this prayer? And I'm, I promise you, I'm trying to hush. When's the last time you prayed and said, Lord, give me something to go to the altar over on Sunday? This altar's more, this, I'm telling you, before I pastored, Every Sunday night, Colt will back me up on this. Every Sunday night, me and Colt ended our Sunday evening at the altar at Amazing Grace Baptist Church, bowed up together in the altar, praying that God give us a good week. There's nothing wrong with using this altar. Just because you come to an altar doesn't mean that, you, that you've got sin in your life and that you're the most awfulest thing in the face of the planet. This, this altar needs to be used. This is, the, this is one of our tools that we have. There's not, there, I understand you can pray in your truck. I understand you can pray in the deer stand. I understand you can pray anywhere else. You can pray sitting at your couch. I do it all the time. You can pray off your back porch. You can pray at your secret place. But there's something about the altar that is special. And when should you? But anyway, when's the last time you said, Lord, give me something to pray about over y'all? All of that ties into your first impression. Now I'm going to give you one more thing and I'm done. Come Sunday morning, I want you to do this. I, I challenge every one of us to do this. Now I'm going to hopefully say it again Sunday morning. Well, I won't be able to say it Sunday morning, but coming up in the next couple of services. I want you to walk through those back doors and pretend you're a first-time visitor. Pretend you've never been in the service. And if there's something that you see that seems out of place, that just doesn't glorify God in the way it should, then let's bring it up. Let's talk about it. Bring it to me. Say, hey, listen, there's some things you don't need to bring to me. Can I say this right here? If you walk in and there's a piece of trash that fell out of somebody's pocket, don't call them out that it fell out of their pocket. Go over and pick a trash up. Throw it in the trash can. You know, don't, don't. You can I say this right here? I can't wait <laughs> for the day we got to clean mud up out of, the, out of the carpet. I can't. Brother Grady, one of the things I miss about Amazing Grace right now is, is cleaning up chewing gum out from underneath the pews. I learned a little trick. I know a trick how to get chewing gum out of carpet. You'll never know it's there. It's the air can a duster. Y'all know the air in a can? Turn that thing upside down. I know it says don't do it. Break the lock. Okay? Turn it upside down. Spray it as hard as you can. It'll freeze that chewing gum. Then you can just scrape it right up and go on with life. You'll never know that chewing gum. I can't wait to the day I have to look at one of these pews right here and see chewing gum underneath the pew. I can't wait till one day we're down here vacuuming and something hits the vacuum cleaner and it won't suck up because it's a cheese doodle sitting underneath, underneath the pew. It means there's activity in the church. It means there's, there's activity going on. I'm telling you, church, we got to have this. First impressions. An effective outreach. God will do great and mighty things. Lord, as we stand all around the house tonight, Lord, I want to thank you for what you do for us. Thank you, Lord, for your love and your